0: This is She Sparks Tech, a podcast about women who take technology to heart in their careers. We will explore stories about women who think creatively, find new directions, solve problems, and chase passions, all through technology. I'm your host, Casey Bertelsman, and I am excited about showcasing amazing women and their careers. Covering both expected and unexpected directions to expand our idea of tech careers and in hopes of inspiring each of us to think a little bit bigger. bigger. Indy, it's so great to have you here with me today on the She Sparks Tech Podcast. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners?
1: Absolutely, Casey. Thank you for having me here. I'm Indy Gray. I'm the founder and CEO of WeDo.ai. I've been in tech for 25 years. This is my fifth startup. And um, so I've had a, a lot of ups and downs and really merry-go-rounds, I guess, uh, in my in my little life. And yeah, WeDo is an application that has been created for the self-employed in order to make life easier in terms of admin and also socializing and building community around your product or service. So that's what we do.
0: It's the the name is really really fun. So you you went to school for I guess it was mostly business, business and marketing. So when you graduated, what did that look like as far as getting your first role? And was it something tech based?
1: Yeah, well, I my first degree, my first degree is a bachelor of science, so I did study some computer science and um and then I went into into marketing and did a master later on in life. This was all several years ago because I'm I'm in my 50s now, so I'm not I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And yeah, uh, I first worked for Sony Digital, and I, I very quickly learned that I didn't really like working for corporates at all. And so I decided to start freelancing, and I was building people websites and building you know the early versions of web as we used to know it, which was barely, I mean, it was before Google was even a thing. And yeah, and then I took a short, a brief stint in the music industry and became a rock star and got to tour for a while. I had three kids and I just, my husband left me and I decided I would just, my revenge was to become a rock star. And so that's what I did. I got a label deal and got to tour and and, and do that. And then quickly went back to tech when I realized there was a big problem in the music industry that needed to be solved. And built a platform marketplace. And yeah, all roads lead to where you are today. So several companies later and a lot of um, experience later, I'm here today building another application that I believe will help change the world and leave it a better place. So
0: Yeah. So that experience after the music industry, was that the first startup that you were? Did, I guess, were you starting that? Was that an idea that you brought to the market? Yeah,
1: yeah, I, it was really a big, a big problem in terms of piracy and the way that musicians were to be paid. So we very quickly built and scaled a platform for the music industry for publishers, musicians, managers, labels, and aggregated them. And and this was prior to things like Apple Music or or Spotify. And the, the industry was really in flux. And there were a lot of issues with the RIIA suing people. And you know people were getting sued for downloading music and sharing music and yeah, big fights with the Pirate Bay. Um, but yeah, that was one of the first technical startups that I started. I had other businesses prior to that. So that was probably my third company that I started.
0: So, would you say that you've always felt like you were very entrepreneurial and that was like that side of you was something that came somewhat naturally? Yeah, pretty
1: much. I think I've been an entrepreneur since I was really young, very small. I was always selling something or going door to door or joining some sort of a club where I would sell something or would be building something. It's kind of a natural thing for me being a creator. Is part of who I am. So I'm constantly in the creation mode. And it's what drives me. I like to make things that don't exist yet come into existence. You know, it's fun.
0: I love that. That's, I mean, it's a really cool experience to be able to identify a problem and actually be able to solve it as opposed to saying, this could fix it, but I have no idea how the hell I would even do this. But I mean, you took that next step to saying, okay, this is the idea. And then either I know how to fix it or I know how to find the people who need to help me figure out how to fix it.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's the the thing. When you have an idea and you want to create something, you can't stop with the excuse of, oh, I don't know how to do this because you don't have to know how to do it. In fact, nobody knows how to solve something that's never been solved before. It's only impossible until, you know, you start and then you realize, oh wait with with this type of person or you know, and things don't happen overnight, so building teams around you and taking some risks is essential to you know that that process and, and building things that that never existed before is part of yeah the fun I think the best part of the journey
0: <laughs> yeah, so you've built several companies, so as far as finding partners or the ideal team members, what has that experience been like for you?
1: In some circumstances, it's not been easy, especially being a woman, because sometimes people take for granted that you're a woman rather than you know, a man, and that, that can be difficult. But as the years have gone by, that has been less and less of a problem. I think with experience, you, you learn the personalities to choose and you learn to trust your, your intuition about people more than anything else, how authentic a person is, how clear they are, how concise they are, is this person going to cause problems? You learn really quickly whether they're a complainer or kind of what box to put them in as you progress in life, you know, and I think I started out young and naive and thinking everyone had the enthusiasm that I had, right? Like, yeah, let's do this. Let's go for this. In reality, not everyone does. And so you need to find synergistic people who match Divide the culture that you want to create within an organization, but also that has complementary skills that aren't necessarily like you, and, and build that diversity uh, amongst the team members. And ultimately, you spend a heck of a lot of time and work, so you you kind of want to make it fun, and you want to be around people who energize you and don't don't suck the blood out of you. You know, don't don't suck the energy out of you. So, those are probably the top things I've learned about getting people involved. Um, But otherwise, I'm, you know, I can sell, I can sell ice to an Eskimo. I really want you to join my team. I'm going to, I'm going to get you to join.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's, that's what you want from, you know, a CEO or a founder is someone who believes that strongly in what they're building and can see the value in someone they're bringing on to a team. You know, you are, making them feel wanted and valued. And you're like, there's a spot here on the team for you. I know you're filling this great hole. And being able to communicate that to valuable team members, potential team members who are potentially taking a risk in joining a startup, because there's always some of that risk involved there. But it's key to get everyone to buy in and push past that risk.
1: Absolutely. And belief is a really important piece of it. If you have team members who don't believe in the project, let them go move them tell them that hey, this maybe isn't for you and uh, because you want everyone to realize that we're doing this together, we're building this together. If you work with me, you have stake in my company, you have equity in our company together, right We're all doing this together, and that we're all progressing because the end goal is clear, and I think that that kind of locks up unison, really believing that we're, we're creating something that can help improve and change people's lives on a big scale is really fundamental for at least the humans that work on our team. And I think it's true across the board.
0: Yeah. As you've built teams and learned about what you do and do not like doing or what you are or are not good at, what kind of team members are you looking For on your team when you start a project, where do you like to see yourself working, and what are the holes that you like to fill? At the
1: very beginning, the early stages, uh, generally it's really tight, just a couple people. If it's a technology project, like for example in my case, um, bringing on those first couple of tech people is extremely important. Other roles can come later. You don't necessarily need marketing people from day one when you're still like building, iterating, and you know you grow that out, but. The first people involved are people that you really want to weigh whether they're going to stick with you for the long term. So in terms of like calling someone a co-founder or having somebody come in is really part of that original unit. Making those decisions shouldn't be done lightly and they don't have to be done rapidly either. Just because you come up with an idea doesn't mean that you need to like commit straight away to just anybody who decides they want to be a co-founder because you don't know how much stamina someone will have until you really start to work with them.
0: Definitely. If we were to talk a little bit more about WeDo, I'm really excited to hear more about it. Where did the idea for WeDo come from?
1: Well, I was working as a consultant for several years as a freelance consultant, probably similar to what you're doing, doing some ops work, working on sometimes building tech projects. And it just occurred to me that there wasn't a home for the self-employed, a proper home, like, you know, LinkedIn, you have business, you know, Facebook is this way, Instagram is one way, you know, these different platforms. And then you have these other platforms that rip people off that take like 20 to 30% of their income. And that's no fun. And they're really lead gen machines that you pay to play for. And so I woke up one morning, my dad used to say something to me, like, if you want to beat the bank, you have to be the bank. And that was like a saying he'd say, And it was kind of like if I'd ask for money, like an allowance, he'd go, oh, no, if you want it. And and I'd complain. I'd be like, oh, dad, come on. You can give me a little bit more for mowing the lawn or whatever. He'd say, no, you have to be the bank if you want to beat the bank, right? And I was like, okay. And for some reason that came to mind and I thought, okay, I've cracked it. Here is a way you can build a social platform that allowed people to be able to take payments simply You can automate invoicing, automate, you know, contracts, automate all that bullshit, you know, admin that people have to put up with, right? But create a banking service around it so that you can make the barrier to entry so low that everyone has accessibility to to be able to work online without any, you know, without any barriers, without commissions and whatnot. And so there I had the model and I thought, okay, yeah. It's going to be hard to build because a lot of components here, lots of functionality, but let's do it. And I I called up a pal of mine who happened to be the first CFO of PayPal way back in the day. And I said, David, I need you to see something. And I built out the first prototype, you know, the iterations on it. And he was like, I'm in. I'm like, great. So that kind of like started the whole thing. Um, it was a pandemic. So raising capital, was kind of like, well, let's just boot- bootstrap this for a while and wait until we get it to a certain level, and then we'll raise some capital. So that's what we did, and yeah, here we are today,
0: very, very cool. So I guess since you bootstrapped through a chunk of the pandemic, how long were you doing that until you reached a point where you're like we need we need some funding here,
1: yeah. so it was about a year, just a little bit more than a year, and It got to the point where we we needed to have a few more devs, a little bit more support like in terms of infrastructure for the back-end development of it. Compliance and legal costs were going to be a thing because when you're in a fintech industry, there are certain hurdles. Um, So we knew, okay, we're going to need some some form of investment to get us over the next hump. And so we raised capital again. It was about 13, 13 months into it, fourteen months when we raised the first, the first capital.
0: And was this your first experience going through a funding round with any of your companies, or it was just the first one that you've done? Um, I guess with WeDo.
1: Yeah, the first one with WeDo. We raised capital for for Kirchmann's and yeah for Groove. Uh, I'd I'd raised capital a few times before that.
0: And so what has your experience as a woman been going through that process of trying to raise capital for your company?
1: Well, compared to our male counterpoints, it probably, you have to be prepared that it could take longer and that it is a little bit tougher. You have to kiss more frogs and talk to a lot more people. Although a lot of men say they're diverse or say that they're interested in supporting or, you know, women and, and impact or whatever, the reality, statistically, is that only around 2% of women get funding. And so the odds are against you, but but do it anyway. And I think that the other thing is, if you have a scalable business and the idea is strong and you put together a great team, just keep going. There are alternative ways to, to getting funding than traditional investors. Don't rush out to the VC straight away because they're the ones that generally don't invest in women until until you've really proven everything. And then fine, once you're turning over, you're, you turn it over, you're million, two million, five million, whatever that is in ARR, it makes it a lot easier. But there's a lot of bias. And I don't think that it, uh, it's obviously not conscious You know, when, they, when you think of unconscious bias. And, but yeah, it's just part of life. You know, we have advantages and disadvantages, and some of that's based on sex. And in technology, we don't have very many predecessors, even though we're a lot more successful as women when we do get out of the block. We tend to do better. Um, it's it's a weird way.
0: Yeah, it's—I I think it was just earlier today I saw a statistic talking about the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies, and there are less than 50 women— Currently in those roles, but all fifty of them have outperformed their male counterparts from the five hundred companies. I'm like, it's not that we aren't doing it right; it's that you're not giving us a chance to do it right.
1: Yeah, it's it's opportunity, and I think it's just stigma as well. Every boy who's a grown up had a mom, right? And so there's a little bit of friction there, I think, um, mentally, whether they re- realize or recognize that or not. You know, a lot of men don't want to, re- they don't see the perceived bias that we see because they haven't lived through it, and therefore it doesn't exist. And I see a lot of these arguments, you know, on, on LinkedIn, on posts, and I'm thinking, really? <laughs> you know, really? Um, it's 2023. Um, so... You know, we burned our bronze uh, 40, 50 years ago, and uh, we're moving forward slowly, slowly. But I think the next generation is going to help sort that out. I think we're we're on the right track, so it'll get better.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think we see more of it. Cause like you and I were talking about earlier, part of it is who you see ahead of you. Where you're working. And so, are you working somewhere that you can see a potential trajectory? It may not be 50%, but you're starting to see one or two or three sprinkles of women in leadership and say, okay, that's where I'm trying to get. I see people there. I see people who may not look exactly like me, but more like me than the white men sitting there. And, you know, we have more generations coming through and more women who've stayed in tech longer to be in that position for someone to look up to and say okay Indy has had 5 plus different startups she's gone through funding so many times not everything's been a success but it has not stopped her and i can see myself there in 10 years however many years i i know it has not discouraged her from leaving tech completely yet <laughs> yeah and i think
1: you know i think it is important that women in positions of I mean, we can use the word power. I don't mean power, but you know, in in leadership positions, are bringing up more women into those positions. You're pulling you're pulling them up the ladder, um, not making them try to reach for that uh, brass ring so much. But we're but we're bringing them through because men are certainly doing that with their with the with the younger men or with with men in the industry, and so we have to create that same kind of sisterhood. Um, Amongst ourselves and 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 be really conscious of that, um, in order to to make a big change.
0: Yeah, it's not treating it like a competition. This isn't high school. We aren't trying out for the cheerleading team. There is room for all of us at the table, and it's way more fun if we are all at the table together. Yeah, yeah,
1: and I tell you what, it's a lot more fun working with women. In, in, in various roles. I mean, it's, it's actually a lot more fun. We don't, you know, the cool thing about women is we, we don't tend to like beat our chests all the time. We're, we're more interested in getting things done you know? like, uh, than, than telling people how great we've been or what, you know, what wonderful stuff. I, I'm not, not speaking for every woman. Of course, there's some that probably brag a lot, but but, you know, it's more about getting something done and doing it together. And I think that kind of community spirit is part of being a woman uh, because we it becomes pretty natural to us. You know, we raise kids, we have sisters and brothers, like we look after each other more naturally. And so, I think you have a lot of propensity to have a happier workforce with women in leadership because they're going to be paying more attention to things that actually matter that w- can help someone you know, grow in, in their position. So, I think we've got a great a great future, and the women coming forward, younger women are coming through. Are gonna hopefully we've left the world easier for them to break through and for our, the next the ones who follow. I
0: think there there's a lot of opportunity and it's just a matter of how it all plays out. But we it feels like visibility has improved for women in leadership and you know paths to leadership. You can see it happening more. It's not hidden. It's not shameful to have a woman show up in your boardroom now. It's people tend to question you more if it's not happening like why why haven't you guys figured out how to actually hire half of the population
1: <laughs> i know right i mean I, I guess you know it's easy to complain about the situation and say oh it's all doom and gloom and men are still being biased blah, blah, blah. but that's not necessarily the case i think that women are actually creating more paths in the world we're creating more businesses than we have ever before. We're creating more scalable businesses. We're creating more tech businesses. We're doing a lot more with less than ever before. And although we're not receiving the, the amount of funding or the faith from the VC or venture capital, it's not stopping us. And and I think that's the that's the beauty, is when I see women who are struggling. And they're saying, "Look, I'm not going to let this stop me." Where there's a will, there's a way, right? And women are great at turning like loaves and fishes into feet. You know, I'm not calling us Jesus or anything. Don't get me wrong, but it, we are good at like creating stuff out of a very little. That creativity that's necessary and required to be scrappy and to have that grit and persistence is part of a part of being a woman. So, you know, we're we're going to get there. And as we Progress and we have more success as women, we'll find more women investing in women and bringing that forward until it does come to, you know, equilibrium and, and we feel as though there's more equality in the world. So
0: we'll get there. And I say equilibrium is a minimum we should be striving for. If we want to go for more than half because we've earned it, go for more than half. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and then I guess if we were to, Bring it back to we do. After you received your funding, what did the next steps look like, and how have you grown since then?
1: Yeah, so when we received our funding, we built the production version of the application, and we've released that. and And now we're you know looking towards hopefully scaling. We're building out our go to market. We've been um, bringing on lots of users and. And uh, doing a lot of feedback cycles. And now we've launched, as of, I think, yesterday, the web application. So the is live, I think, as of today, completely. Um, so, you know, just building that out. And right now we're doing a machine learning cycle to aggregate data for the application and part of the search matching and discovery engine that will uh, match people to jobs in real time. So we're working on the tech and continuing to improve and iterate and improve and get user feedback and talk to, talking to our customers. And we, we use a portion of money to get out there and market and get partners. So we brought up quite a few partners. And yeah, you know, the typical grind and rush and adrenaline of a of startup. You never sleep, but it's fun. It's a, it's, it's a ride. <laughs>
0: That's, it's, I mean, it's part of what you expect, you know, at that stage of a startup. It's, if you're trying to work 40 hours max and be home for dinner with the family every day, that's probably not a reality. Maybe if you're running the startup and you're able to keep it slower, but the pace at which it moves, there are probably some 40-hour weeks, then some 60, 80-hour weeks, but you love what you do. And so the day flies by and next thing you're like, shit, it's midnight and I need to go sleep. So I have energy to, to be here tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's the tough part for me is I'm a little bit of a workaholic. I'm very so good. So I will get up at five and I won't go to bed until I've done what I want to get done that day, you know, and then I'm just like, oh, boom, up. You know, I don't mind if I I, I brush my teeth and I, I wake up and it's like, I haven't really left this spot, you know. And I, I'm capable of doing that for a couple years straight and being super focused. Luckily, my children are all grown, so they don't need me anymore. I wouldn't have been able to do that when they were younger. They're, you know, they're they're approaching thirty themselves, all three of them. So they've got their own lives. So I can I can be the mad scientist and go crazy again. <laughs> Which just kind of fun.
0: Yeah, it's. It's at a stage in your life where it fits your your schedule and your commitments, which is nice to see people go through those phases where I love what I do and I'm, this is what I want to spend my time on. And I either will or already have the stage that was more family-oriented and being able to do both at whatever stage in your life.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's a choice. I definitely didn't want to do that when my kids were small. You know, I was in the music industry, so touring and stuff. I, I was lucky enough; I got to bring my kids with me, and we were part of that whole experience. But, but now, yeah, if they come to visit and mom's like doing a 15 hour day, they just kind of learn to like come up, sit down, and eat their cereal and do, you know, chinwag with me and, and and hang out. And I try to make some time for them. But yeah, I'm I'm very it's a flaw in my personality. I'm extremely focused. So it's not, it's, it's not unusual for me to go, oh, a week has gone by, you know, and not, not that, like, because I'm, I'm like constant, but it's part of what you have to do when you're in the early stage of the company, and that eases up after a few years, you know?
0: Input equals output. So however long it's taking you to put it in, if you want to do 80 hour weeks. For one year, or you're going to have forty-hour weeks for two or three years. It's gonna, it's gonna even out somewhere. It's just a matter of how long it takes you to get somewhere, how fast you want to get there. Yeah,
1: exactly. And for me, I, I'm, I'm one of these people. I want to beat the clock, so it's a, it's a flaw. But at the same time, it's just, it's who I am. So I can't, I can't complain. It's life. It's just the way I am.
0: I think it's great. It's nice to see, you know, people who love what they do and are passionate about it. And so we do is live for people to be using it. What does it look like as a user? What am I using it for?
1: Yeah. So right now you can, um, you can have up to 15 hosts and you can use it for video conferencing or, um, and also to uh, monetize. So you can take payments through the video calls and um, you can make it with your clients. You can get a debit card uh, in some countries. So, UK and uh, European Union, you can already get a a debit card and set up your banking account. We're releasing a way for you to hook it up with your own bank account so you can get paid in the United States and other countries while we're setting up the banking side. You can issue invoices and you can set up contracts. And yeah, uh, we'll soon be able to integrate your schedule. So we have a calendar and a reminder piece in the app. And that we still have a couple integrations to do with like Outlook and iCal and Google Calendar. So we're still working on that. But yeah, it's an early stage production release and you can go in and play around and become an OG and, you know, become an early adopter and, and use it for fun or just to pay your friends or whatever. But yeah, you can, you can do quite a bit um, so far. And I think as the year improves, we'll, we'll, we'll get it back up to, We'll get it up to the where we'd like it to be by I think August, September. So hopefully people will hang out with us and and give us feedback and you know keep that loop going.
0: Yeah. And then you had mentioned, you know, being able to find potential jobs through We Do. So if I'm someone that is looking to hire, is there a side of WeDo Do that I'm using for that portion of it?
1: Yeah, there will there will be. That's this, um, that's next faith. So our search and discovery is part of this machine learning and artificial intelligence journey that we're working on at the moment. We're hoping to be able to match people in real time. And it's kind of like dating. It's like kinder for business, really, what we're doing in a lot of ways, which makes it fun, but also um, greatly decreases the amount of time you need to spend searching for potential matches and it's based on personality, it's based on skills, it's based on a lot of criteria that an organization may need. So it's pretty fun. And we're just trying to gather more and more data in order to be able to release that because it does require a fairly decent sized data set. Acting the card tour, I guess later on this year, and by invitation, we'll be onboarding users to play around with that. So um, anybody who wants to be part of that, uh, go download the app and send me a message so get you get you on.
0: Yeah. I mean that's super cool. I mean you guys have a lot of things that you are projecting to get in there this year. And then do you have like features beyond the few that we talked about that are like longer term roadmap that you want in there.
1: Yeah certainly the, certainly the AI features, the data features that we're considering are part of the roadmap. But really, it's about improving. I think beyond this year, it's about really improving and iterating on what we have, simplifying it as much as possible. It's already very simple. It's four buttons to run your business. You can't get much simpler than that. And really improving the social tools, uh, because community is a really big piece of of what's missing for the self-employed and for the freelance economy, that kind of FOMO as well as that sense of belonging because we, you know, we don't necessarily have the water cooler moment anymore that you may have had when you were working a job. So bringing people together is really important creating those communities and then creating that a real-time space that fills gaps because um, finding clients, keeping clients happy, and, and making sure that you have the next gig is all part of that. Fractional and and self employed journey, we want to be the solution that cracks that. So we're creating our own category of how of how that it's you know how that looks like in the world. But yeah, everything else uh, is just really improving what we already have, we've already built, and for the AI uh, and the search and discovery is, is super important for for the journey this year.
0: yeah, I'm really excited to see how. We Do comes together and improves over the next year and how much you guys grow.
1: Yeah, I, I am too. I'm excited too. And I'm not going to stop until, until we get there. Unstoppable. That's right. That's my song, Unstoppable. Um, but yeah, and, and I think you know, the main thing is really to democratize the way we work. You should be able to work anywhere, any place, anytime, and be able to pick up your work on the go. And and actually, not be tied to a job or a perfect job. You know, it should be work should be on your terms. You spend so much of your life doing it, and it. There should be a lot of freedom and flexibility there, and making that real, making it a real thing.
0: Yeah, and I mean, from my experience, I can say that you know, doing freelance work, my skill set has increased so much faster you know, I'm put in positions of responsibility. I'm managing a lot of stuff I would not be managing otherwise, just, you know, finances and making sure I'm paid on time, potentially paying people that I'm contracting with and touching so many things that you do not touch as a entry-level employee. There's a lot of wonderful security as a, you know, a W-2 employee. But if you had asked me in high school, I would have told you that like owning a business or being an entrepreneur would be the very last thing I would ever want to do. It terrified me. And then I started doing some of the work and I'm like, so I like this a lot better. I get control of who I'm working with and I have control and say in what I'm doing and what I want to learn and where I do or do not want to be moving. It's really powerful being able to, to go through and do that. And then you look back and you're like, Holy shit, it's been a year and I've been super successful and I've been working half the time and I'm happy. And it it doesn't happen overnight just like growing any large business, but taking that first step to start doing something and finding where you want to be, whether or not I go back to a full-time job anywhere. Uh, still undetermined. I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no, but you have to sell me on what it's going to be. I, I want to buy into it, whatever it is. Yeah.
1: You raised <laughs> quite a few great points there, too. With the, that choice, the security of a W 2 compared to the security of actually being able to control your own destiny, it, for me, those are like night and day. The W 2 keeps you in one spot, like more stagnant in your life. And, and if you can, if you can move away from that and, and be like, okay, I can do this. There's always the option to have a job, fractional, full time however, right? But when you realize, okay, I've got the skill set that I can be an entrepreneur, I can do this, and there's no excuses for me not to, if that's what I want to do, the, the breaking down the barriers for that, and that, what, like basically what you said, that you were terrified, right? Like, oh my God, I'm never going to do that. That's so scary why should that be scary? For me, in my lifetime, having a job is the scariest thing I could ever dream of, you know, doing. Oh, wait, you know, I have to ask somebody if I want to go on holiday? What? Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's all about how you look at it and deciding, you know, what your priority is. I think the two things that are really hard for people to like the hurdle to overcome is what the hell am I doing about health insurance if I don't understand anything about health insurance, which I go that it's just educating yourself and it's a hard process. And if you have any health issues, it's a completely different ballgame to play in. And so I'm like, that's not, you know, I'm quitting my job today and we're going to figure it out. There's work to be done to figure that out. And then sometimes it's, I have XYZ responsibilities and need to have X amount of money coming in every month. And for everyone, that looks different. They're both hurdles. They require time to get over and to understand and learn. But it's something that everyone is capable of learning and understanding because there are so many resources available for free on the internet.
1: Yeah, true. And I think the the, the hurdle for for health insurance... Uh, especially in the United States for the self-employed, that's a big, that's a big issue, which isn't isn't necessarily a problem in other countries where health insurance is just part, of, part of life. You know, you just have it. So over here, for example, in the United Kingdom, uh, it's just part of life, but if, you know, in Spain, all of the European. Um, and it'd be nice if that, if America could have something similar because it's amazing, uh, the, the quality of care over here. but. I think that's something that's going to progress as well as America moves on and 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 gets more gets more opportunity for better better coverage for people's health. Um, but I think uh, you know the the idea that you can't have access to something like that and you have to have a job in order for that to cover you seems really unfair to me. And I think that's one of the things: uh, pensions, taxes, healthcare. Those are all pieces of the puzzle that we do is bringing in, we have a pensions partner um, in the United States, we're looking for our health care partner. we've been you know, several calls with one particular provider for the self-employed. So I think that there are opportunities, it's just a matter of having enough power behind them and aggregating enough people that the cost benefit is, is great. You know, insurance is all about that, isn't it? So, so yeah
0: yeah i'm I'm constantly keeping track of like what's happening there. What are the options? What does that look like? You know i'm I'm trying to retire my husband from his full-time job so that you know, if we're only sticking around with that for insurance, okay, we need to keep an eye on what is happening with insurance so that we're not paying on you know, a mortgage amount for insurance. What does that look like? And figuring out where to find answers, where to ask questions and How, how do we do that? I, you shouldn't be punished as a small business owner for, I mean, doing what um, America, you're supposed to be here to start a business and buy a house and, you know, like that's all part of the American dream. So why are we making it harder for people who want to?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think there are quite a few solutions to, um, that a lot of people are working on, especially right now in the United States, there's um, the freelancers unions who have access to, to several resources and they pool together and lobby together to work on, on these particular problems in the United States. And there are alternative healthcare um, and insurances for the self-employed, probably another topic for another podcast, but we can go down that rabbit hole because um, yes. it is really interesting. Yeah. yeah
0: things exist you do have to do your due diligence and searching for them is the the main thing don't just assume you don't have options it can get intimidating looking at all of the options too so it's like a, a find find the balance we're in your you're in a good place to fall down that rabbit hole
1: absolutely yeah
0: awesome uh well indeed do you have anything you'd like to say to wrap up today well, listen, download the app, uh,
1: join WeDo. Uh, we're here for you. It's built for you. Um, it's built to really help small businesses and business people and, and the people who serve small businesses and even larger businesses. But secondly, believe in yourself. And if, if you're a woman listening to this podcast, remember just to persevere. Keep going.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great way to end it. And if anyone's looking to get in touch with you, whether they are interested in connecting in general or they want to learn more about we do. where's the best way to do that?
1: My, my hashtags or my my at tags are Indiana Gregg, so at Indiana Gregg, just about everywhere. So doesn't matter what platform, it's probably me. There aren't that many Indiana Gregs out there. So uh, it's one of those names that nobody tried to name their kids. And <laughs> um, So yeah um, so yeah, drop me a line. I'm on LinkedIn a lot, so feel free to you know, just send a message on LinkedIn. And for we do, it's at wedo.ai and uh, on social, it's at wedo underscore HQ.:
0: Awesome. Thank you so much again for joining me today, Indy. This was a really wonderful conversation.
1: I uh, really appreciate you having me and looking forward to, to hanging out with you and learning more about you. Thank you.
0: I had an amazing time talking to Indy about everything she is doing with WeDo and just her background in general. It's so, so interesting seeing how, through the different stages of life, she has found pockets where she belongs in tech and how passionate she is about what she does. And what I hope for every single person in tech is that they can find something that they love and are as passionate about as Indy is. Because we see in the amount of time that she commits at this stage in her life, this is what she wants to be doing. And I think all of us want to find something that we wake up every day and love what we do. So I truly wish that for you if you do not currently have it. If you do, I would love to know what it is. I love sharing stories on the podcast. Obviously feel free to always reach out and connect in the show notes. You'll find all the ways to connect with She Sparks Tech. You can rate, review and subscribe to support the podcast. And I will see you again in two weeks for another great episode of She Sparks Tech.